much do you love it? Hey, for those of you new, this is uh, me reading stuff, and my theme song is uh, I found on YouTube. I searched royalty-free music, subcategory, hip-hop, sub-subcategory, dark. That was an option, the word dark. Um, and I came up, I, I, this is what I found, and I love it. I still love it. In fact, I, actually, I'm not going to tell you that story. I will tell you, it, it, it would be a little too, it would expose a little too much, but I will tell you, a big problem in my life actually arrived um, due to the fact that somebody stated that they didn't like my theme song. And I'll just tell you, shit, shit went kind of bad from there. Um, hello, I'm Robin O'Neill. This is me reading stuff, and I love you guys, number one. Number two, having a rough time, having a rough day, having a rough week. I feel emotionally beat up and exhausted, and like all I want to do is sleep. There are bodily problems. That sounds gross. Bodily conjures up gross thing. There's nothing gross going on with me. It's just, ugh, you know, your body, our bodies are not a wonderland. That's where John Mayer got it wrong. Um, well, he wasn't saying it. That, I don't think that's what that song's about. I think it was about one person. Who was that person? Oh, what's her name again? Oh, hold on. Okay, sorry. Uh, it's that girl with the three names who my brother had a crush on, and then she ended up being on that show called The Client List or something. Maybe not The Client List, but anyway, she ran a Texas brothel in, in nowadays times, but they pretended to be maybe pedicurist or something. Who? Love. Love. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Her friends call her Love. There you go. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Anyway, I have no, I, no recollection of why I was talking about Jennifer Love Hewitt, but I do remember that's where I left off. Um, if you want to know how I'm doing, I will say I have been getting through a to-do list that was very long, and I've been getting through a thank you card list that was very long. I'm a big thank you card person. You guys know I'm also a philatelist, which, by the way, um, I'm a philatelist is a stamp collector, for anyone who doesn't know. New Sally Ride stamps, love them. New Mr. Rogers stamps, hello, love them. They've got King, I think it's him with King Friday. I don't have them in front of me, but that's what I believe. Um, I'm getting through, so, you know, people were so nice to me during my surgery, and I'm just now getting to the point of two months after my surgery, so my body is getting much, 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 much better. Still a little bit rough, but... Um, I'm telling you this because it took me that long to kind of catch up on just saying thank you to people who did nice things while I was hurting. Um, my stomach hurts right now emotionally, and I am highly emotional. Uh, I even pushed some things over today. I'll be honest, I'm not a violent person, but I used to really love throwing things um, when I was mad, like pens, not ever at people. Did I ever tell you guys this? Well, you know me, I throw books. Listen to this. This, I'll probably throw this book. By the way, we got to start reading. Okay. Do you guys remember how much I love Ann Boyer? Ann Boyer, American poet, essayist, survivor, hero, uh, very, very compassionate person. I'm going to put a link in the description of the podcast for you to follow her on Twitter as well. Excellent Twitter feed. 
She's a badass. Um, yeah, cancer survivor is what I meant by survivor. And, um, oh God, I think she's from Salina, Kansas originally. She lives in Kansas City. And I read the, the uh, another amazing writer named Jason Prue, who I will put a, um, a link in the podcast for his website as well. I've read him on the podcast a long time ago. Jason Prue actually gifted me the book and Boyer's Garments Against Women. And I can, I will never be able to thank him enough for that. Shout out to Jason Prue, P-R-U-E. Garments Against Women changed the way I read and thought about a lot of things. And oh my God, I, I still think it's, the, it came out in 2015, by the way, on, um, wasn't it, a, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I think it's Asanta Press, Asata Press. And then she can, and I, I read, I must have read from that book on here on me reading stuff, it, not dozens of times, but as, me, as much as I could possibly do it without it being weird, I read on here. I also got, got the chance to see her read at Claremont College and a couple years back, and I, I made a whole day of it. it I knew it was going to mean a lot to me. I just got in my car, and I have a Jeep. I got in my car, I drove out there to whatever that town is outside of uh, L.A., all of a sudden, I don't remember. I think it starts with a P. Let's just call it Piedmont, even though it's not Piedmont. Come on, people. I can't think of anything. But anyway, I drove out there. I listened to Ann Boyer read. I got to meet her first, though. And I will tell you this. Best reader I've ever heard read. And I've heard them all, my friends. I haven't really heard them all. I don't go to readings all that often. But I listen to readings, and I watch readings on YouTube, and I go to as many as I can stand. And... It was like nothing I've ever seen. This person was put on earth to do exactly what she's doing. And you don't see that coming through with a lot of people. So I'm going to be, I'm really excited. Her new book just came out. It's called A Handbook of Disappointed Fate. Fate, sorry. Fate. That is F-A-T-E. Although you can't tell by the way I just pronounced it. And this is from um, uh, Ugly Duckling Press. So I'm going to, obviously, I'm going to show you guys where you can buy this, um, not via Amazon, as I always do. If you've, ne if you've ever noticed or never noticed, I'm here to tell you, I don't link to Amazon on here. Buy from your local bookstores, go to your local bookstores and ask them to order this book or all the books that I mentioned. Just do the right thing, okay? All right, the first essay in this book is called No. And this is going to, I don't even care. You guys can either deal with it or not. I'm going to read this and it's going to be a little bit longer than I've been, than um, you're used to from me lately. But uh, I promise you it's worth continuing to listen. And I, and I um, am not sorry that this will go way over the 10 minute mark. I'm also not sorry about something else, which is, I don't remember. I'm just not, I, I'm not, I'm just not sorry today. Remember how I always apologize about everything? Not today, buddy. Not today. Today, I am saying what I want to say. I'm doing what I want to do. I am being who I want to be. And there's no apologies, okay? And plus, this is worth it. Um, I love the title, No, for an essay, too. All right, are you ready for this? Y'all ready for this? Ann Boyer, No, from A Handbook of Disappointed Fate. I, why can't I say the word Fate. Maybe because I feel like fainting and I keep turning it into faint. All right, here we go. History is full of people who just didn't. They said, no, thank you. Turned away, escaped to the desert, lived in barrels, 
burned down their own houses, killed their rapists, pushed away dinner, meditated into the light. Even babies refuse, and the elderly also. Animals refuse. At the zoo, they gaze through plexiglass, fling feces at human faces. Classes refuse. The poor throw their lives onto barricades, and workers slow the line. Enslaved people have always refused, poisoning the feasts and aborting the embryos, and the diligent, flamboyant jaywalkers assert themselves against traffic as the first and foremost visible daily lesson in just not. Saying nothing is a preliminary method of no. To practice unspeaking is to practice being unbending, more so in a crowd. Cicero wrote, cum tacent clament, in silence they clamor, and he was right. Never mistake silence for agreement. Silence is as often conspiracy as it is consent. A room of otherwise lively people saying nothing, staring at a figure of authority, is silence as the inchoate of a now initiated we won't. Sometimes our refusal is on our staying put. We perfect the loiter before we perfect the hustle. Like every toddler, each of us once let all adult commotion move around our small bodies as we inspected clover or floor tile. As teens, we loitered. Two, required security to dislodge us like how once in a country full of freely roaming dogs, I saw the primary occupation of the police was to try to keep the dogs out of the public fountains. And as the cops had moved the dogs from the fountains, a new group of dogs had moved in. This was just like being a teenager at the mall. Some days my only certain we is the certain we that didn't, that wouldn't, whose bodies or spirits wouldn't go along that we slowed, stood around, blocked the way, kept a stone face when the others were complicit and smiling. And still we ghost and no show. And in the enigma of refusal, we find that we endogenously produce our own incapacity to even try, grow sick and depressed and motionless under all the merciless and circulatory conditions of all the capitalists, yes, and just can't even if we thought we really wanted to. This is as if a river who saw the scale of the levees decided that rather than try to exceed them, it would outwit them by drying up. While it is true that refusal is a partner to death, I think it was Mary McCarthy who said that even a gun to the head is merely an invitation. Death is also a partner to refusal, as in often not the best option, but an option nonetheless. Death as refusal requires as its material only life, which if rendered cheap enough by the conditions that inspire the refusal, can become precious again when selectively and heroically deployed as a no. Poetry is sometimes a no. Its relative silence is the negative's underhanded form of singing. Its flights into a wide-ranged interior are in the world of fervid external motion, sometimes a method of standing still. Poetry is semi-popular with teenagers and revolutionaries and good at going against, saying whatever is the opposite of something else, providing nonsense 
for sense and sense despite the world's alarming nonsense. Of all the poems of No, Venezuelan poet Miguel James's Against the Police, as translated by Guillermo Parra, refuses the most elegantly. Against the Police. My entire oeuvre is against the police. If I write a love poem, it's against the police. And if I sing the nakedness of bodies, I sing against the police. And if I make this earth a metaphor, I make a metaphor against the police. If I speak wildly in my poems, I speak against the police. And if I manage to create a poem, it's against the police. I haven't written a single word, a verse, a stanza that isn't against the police. All my prose is against the police. My entire oeuvre, including this poem, my whole oeuvre is against the police. Poets have famously instatuated themselves among hermits and saints as an expert class of refusers. Emily Dickinson, Gwendolyn Brooks, George Open, Amiri Baraka stand in that pantheon of not this. Those who sometimes wore their laurels like a crown of thorns. The pantheon of those who won't is the best church poetry has to offer. It's a temple perfumed with the incense of sacrificed literary reputation, littered with bankruptcy notices for cynical cultural capital, warmed by the greater fire of the intrinsic populated by the most famous and the most anon. In it, you will find no poetry in the shape of a cowardly maybe, or fluorescent yes, or cloying, collaborating, reactionary, status-loving, and desperately eager, whatever they say I'll do. I like no. It's sideways to a reverse mantra, ohm. It's stealthy, portable, and unslouching. It presides over the logic of my art, and even when it is uttered erringly, there is something admirable in its articulation. But even the greatest refusalists of the poets may be somewhat ironic deployers of that refusal. For what is refused often amplifies what is not. The no of a poet is so often a yes in the carapace of no. The no of a poet is sometimes but rarely a no to a poem itself, but more usually a no to all dismal, aggregations, and landscapes outside of the poem. It's a no to chemical banalities of war and no to employment and legalisms, a no to the wretched arrangements of history and the greed-lamented earth. Sometimes poetry enacts its refusal in its formal strategies, and of those formal strategies of refusal, among the simplest is the poetic technique called turning the world upside down. This Walt Whitman poem called Transpositions depends upon reversal as enacted refusal. Let the reformers descend from the stands where they are forever bawling. Let an idiot or insane person appear on each of the stands. Let the judges and criminals be transposed. Let the prison keepers be put in prison. Let those that were prisoners take the keys. Let them that distrust birth and death lead the rest. Transpositions invert social classes so that the structure which enforces the existence of those social classes is exposed as unworkable. Whitman's poem is generous and ongoing in that anyone reading this could practice the same mode of refusal. Write some transpositions too. Here's how. Take what is and turn it upside down. Or take what is and make it what it isn't. 
or take what isn't and make it what it is or take what is and shake it until change falls out of its pockets or take any hierarchy and plug the constituents of its bottom into the categories of its top or take any number of hierarchies and mix up their parts. Mm, that's not even the end of no, everybody. No goes on. That was probably half, three-fourths of no. But oh my God, can you feel how much I'm feeling that? By the way, side note, not nearly as exciting as what Ann Boyer is talking about. I will say this, and I mean it. I think probably one-fifth of all of my drawings, for those of you who don't know who the hell I am, hi, I'm Robin. I make art for a living. I make drawings. That's what I do, pencil drawings. I would say one-fifth of all the drawings I've ever put out into the world have been turned upside down. Um, like, I'll, I'll be drawing it, you know, going along. They're all landscapes, pretty much. Drawing the drawing, and then I realize, uh, let's turn this up, shit upside down. And it always makes a better drawing. Like, you know, usually I'm about a fourth of the way done, and I realize that I've been drawing it upside down. Does this make any sense? If not, I apologize. And Boyer... You're probably not listening. You got a busy you got a busy thing going on because you're incredible. But if you are, thank you. We all thank you. You know how many people have written me about garments against women because of me reading it on here so many times? A lot. It's one of the most popular books for me reading stuff listeners and I'm not at all surprised by that. That just made my stomach feel better reading that everybody. Um what else do I have to say? Hey everybody, if you're in Los Angeles, California, or if you want to come to town. I have, a, I have a big new piece that I made somehow while my left eye wasn't working and uh, while I was recovering from a hysterectomy. I, I made this drawing through, in the midst of so much upheaval in my life. I don't even know how the hell I did it, but I did it and I think it's great. And it will be at Steve Turner Gallery at an opening for a show called Drawing and Line, no, Through Line, Drawing and Weaving, July 21st. I'm gonna put um, the link to Steve Turner Gallery in this uh, podcast description. I would love it if you could come out. If not, don't worry about it. Go eat a snow cone, go trim a tree, go buy a bonsai tree, go get your oil changed, go take a walk, highly recommended, go buy some Gatorade if you're dehydrated. Uh, what else could you do? Build a campfire. Me, not into camp. I love campfires, but I don't love camping. I don't go outside all that often, except for every day I take walks. Love walks. I wish I could walk every minute of the day. What I mean by that is I wish I could take walks. Well, I do. I mean, I rarely get in my car. I walk everywhere. Anyway, this is getting a little long. Thank you to Ann Boyer. Thank you to all of you. Thank you for your patience with me. Coming out July 21st, Steve Turner Gallery, Los Angeles, California. Ever tried, ever failed, no matter. Try again, fail again, fail better. That's your buddy Sam Beckett, and I am Robin O'Neill. I love you. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Good night.